Thank you for joining us for this podcast from New Destiny Christian Center. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Jeanette De Silva. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. Hello, NDCC, New Destiny Christian Center. I am Jeanette, and I am here today. I'm going to talk with you about four understandings that you need to have regarding the end times. Um, So just real quick, um, it's going to be kind of an overview. There's a whole lot that goes into the end times and the end times events. So I'm I'm just going to give an overview of it um, and give you some good information with just some things that we need to know. Um, We are living very close to the last days and the time that Jesus is going to come back and um, just be triumphant, and I'm looking forward to that day. But there is a lot that we need to be doing during this time leading up to those days. So I'm going to go on over four of them, four understandings that you need to have regarding the end times. The first one is God explains the end from the beginning. Okay, So Genesis 8-1 or 8-1 through is a reflection of end time events. The story of Noah is a key in understanding what will happen and what it will look like in the end times. It also reflects how God rescues the righteous from coming wrath. And I don't know about you, but I want to be rescued from wrath. I do not want to go through that. All right, so Matthew 24, 36 through 42 in the NLT states, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other one left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. All right, these are words from Jesus himself. Um, So if you're looking at the time um, in Genesis from um, Adam all the way through Noah, it's ten generations, right? You have Adam, who begot Seth, who begot Enos, Enos begot Canaan, Canaan begot Mahalahil, Mahalahil begot Jared, Jared begot Enoch, Enoch begot Methuselah, and Methuselah begot Lamech, and then Lamech begot Noah. All right, so that's Adam to Noah, ten generations. Now, Enoch is actually the first biblical prophet, all right, Jude fourteen fifteen, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed and their ungodliness and all of the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Okay, so at the age of 65, Enoch received a vision from God revealing upcoming events about the flood. Enoch then had a son whose name was Methuselah. All right, so the meaning of Methuselah's name is at his death, he brings it forth. Okay, so that's the way prophecies a lot of times were given back in the day. 
they saw a vision and they would name their sons or, you know, they would have names for different meanings. So he named him his son Methuselah, and that means his, at his death, he brings it forth. So Methuselah was actually a sign that something was going to happen when he died, all right? So God took Enoch on Shabbat on the seventh day. Enoch was taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. Enoch was actually the first rapture and is a reflection of the rapture that will take place before the tribulation and the great wrath of God in the end days. All right, so Enoch was taken up into heaven, and it's exactly kind of gives us an idea of what's going to happen when the church, the body of Christ, is taken up in the rapture. It's all to keep us from having to go through that end-time wrath, which, you know, we think we've had hard times. We think there's been a lot of uh, difficulties in, in life, tribulations and trials. There's been, obviously, there's a pandemic going on right now. Um, we've had sicknesses and disease. We've had earthquakes. We've had, you know, volcanoes. Um, all different, you know, areas of the world have been wiped out at times. But in this end-time wrath, it's going to be destruction like the earth and the world has never seen before. It is not something that we want to live through. It's not something that we want to have to be in. So God, in his infinite mercy, has made a way for us to be able to be spared that wrath. So I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the ones in the rapture, and we're going to talk about the rapture a little bit later. Um, So Methuselah and Noah... They were the only two righteous men at the time of the flood. You can, if you can imagine that, you know, it, they, there was quite a few people on the earth at that time. But they were the only two righteous men in the earth at that time. They were preachers of righteousness in a very evil generation, all right? You know, we look at our world today and we think, oh, there's a whole lot of evil, there's abortion, there's all kind of perversion, there's sickness and death and, you know, all kind of things from as a result of the fall of man, but can you imagine being one of the only two righteous people in the world today? There's still a lot of good, um, a lot of good things going on now. There's a lot of good people. There's, you know, people who are called by God living in this day, preaching the word of God, preaching salvation, um, fighting against the darkness of the evil of this day. But at that time, there are only two righteous men. I cannot even imagine living in a society like that. So, in review, all right, Adam is warmed of a flood coming. From Adam to Noah is ten generations. Um, Prior to the flood, people lived a very long time, right? The generations lived very long, and a lot of those generations of those ten that I talked about overlapped each other, okay, because they lived many, many years. Um, Enoch sees a vision and sees something will happen, so he has a son named Methuselah. So, Methuselah and Noah were the two witnesses They're preaching for 120 years of something that is going to happen, trying to warn the world, all right? If we look at our time now, this is what we're called to do at this time. We are preaching and trying to reach out to a world that is very lost, you know, and we're we're preaching Christ, we're preaching salvation because we're trying to warn people of this upcoming wrath, this upcoming end times. Um, that is our job now. If you look at like an assembly line, right, um, if you're if building a car, the, the best way to get somebody, because if you're just doing your part on that car, you're just working on your one part in that car, there's not a whole lot of motivation, you know, to, to keep doing what you're doing. 
But if you show a person what the finished product is, the whole view of that car, then they have more motivation and they have more desire because they know what that finished product looks like. So part of why we're looking at this today is because we need to know what exactly in this big end time scheme, in this picture of, of God's plan for the world, for salvation, and for eternity, we need to know exactly what our part is because that's what's going to give us, you know, if we have that, over, that big view, that vision of the totality of it and what the end times is going to look like and what we're going to do even after um, the great wrath at, you know, for eternity, then we can, you know, be more driven and be more motivated to do what we need to do now, to do what God is calling us to do now, and that is to reach the lost, save, you know, get help, get people saved, share Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. All right. So the book of Enoch, the book of Jasher, the book of Josephus, these are some um, other uh, uh uh, writings from Jewish historians that are accepted by Jewish scholars, and a lot of the things that you know we've we've talked about with the with the time of Noah and everything that's in the Bible. These are some additional books that were not in the Gospel; they were not in the Bible, but people of that time and many Jewish historians and Jewish scholars accept them as basically legit. They were people like Josephus was. You know, he witnessed some of these things. He, he saw some of these things. He knew people that went through some of these things. So these are books that we generally accept as, you know, a part of what, where we can glean information from these um, stories from the Bible. So, and, and some of those books give us more insight. I always like to look at those, and I encourage others, you know, if you're, if you're really studying out, um, the end times and, and the things that went on back in Genesis and in the Bible, look at those additional books. Um, they're very knowledgeable, and they give a lot more insight sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage you to look at those as well. Um, but the Bible says, as in the days of Noah and Lot, because also God uses the story of Lot, as in the days of Noah and Lot, will destruction come? And this reflects how the end times will happen and the upcoming wrath of God to judge sin. Now, realize that the upcoming wrath of God is to judge sin, right? That's why we are going out and we're trying to help people get saved. We're sharing the knowledge of Jesus Christ, saving people from their sin and from this upcoming wrath of God. All right? So, there are three certain things that had to happen before the flood could happen. And just to go back real quick, the story of Lot is, is a very similar type story um, as, the, as the story of Noah, right? Lot, um, his family, they were the only ones righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. That, that whole area was just very wicked, very vile. Um, just kind of like in the days of Noah, Noah and his family were the only uh, righteous people on the earth. Well, in these cities, uh, Lot and his family were the only righteous ones. And there was a lot of perversion, homosexuality, um, very vile, wicked, demonic, um, sinful cities. And so God, in his infinite mercy, spared Lot and brought them out of the city. Um, but he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. God has no, absolutely no toleration from sin, for sin. He has mercy. He has long-suffering. He has these qualities about him, but he has absolutely no toleration for sin. And at some point, he, he gets to the point, and he says, you know what, that's enough. 
that's enough. And he has mercy on who he will have mercy, his righteous ones. But at the end, just like in these, in these times of Noah and in the time of Lot, he will say, that's enough, and there will be no more, and great destruction will come upon the wicked. All right? So there were three certain things that had to happen before the flood could happen. Right? Um, the first one is the fullness of time. This had to, have a, had to have a set time frame of 100 years to warn the people, and this is found in Genesis 7-6. Another thing is the assignment had to be completed, and the assignment at that time was the ark had to be built. This is Genesis 7-1. And the third thing that had to happen before the flood could happen is the right people had to be in line. So... Um, uh, Noah, his family, and the animals had to all be in line. They had to be where they needed to be. All right, Genesis seven sixteen points to that. So um, now, at the time of the end, there are there are certain things, just as in the time of Noah, that have to happen. Um, th- this reflects what has to happen now before the great time of God's wrath. So times must be fulfilled, as the same as in Noah's time, and this um, involves restitution. All right. Ephesians 1.10 says Israel must be restored as a nation. So this is something that has to happen. Times has to be fulfilled. All right. A second one, iniquity must be full. Daniel 8.23 talks about a cup of iniquity. All right. And the next thing that has to happen, the gospel has to be preached to fullness. So these are the things that have to occur before the end times, the, the wrath of God occurs. Matthew 2, 24, 14, the church preaches the gospel up to the point of the rapture. Now, we are the, the church. We are considered the church age right now. So the church preaches the gospel up to the rapture. Then after the rapture, there's two witnesses who preach. Then the last 42 months of the seven-year period of um, tribulation, there are two angels. There are angels, an angel that comes. Sorry, there's one angel that comes um, and preaches the gospel. All right, and then finally, the right number of people, right? Just like in Noah's time, how the certain amount of people had to be on the ark and the animals had to be, there has to be an exact fullness and full number of the people, and that refers to the fullness of the Gentiles which come in and are converted, all right? Romans 11.25 speaks of that, a set number of people to be saved, all right? Now, going back to Genesis, at that time, there were only eight, all right, I can promise there will be a lot more before the end times and this next coming wrath of God. Um, all right, so now the story, the second point, the second understanding you need to have uh, regarding the end times is that the story of Israel and the church. Two of the main players in this world are Israel and the church. The Jewish people are God's chosen people. But why are they God's chosen people? What are the Jewish people chosen for anyway? All right. So a little story I want to read to you about Mordecai and Avi. All right. Mordecai and I had agreed to meet in order to exchange our points of view. But both of us knew what we really meant by the phrase. Each of us was intent on changing the other one's mind. I wanted to tell him about my faith in Yeshua. And Mordecai wanted to tell me about the joys of living an Orthodox Jewish life. Avi, 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 Mordecai moaned. 
I look at you and I see such a tragedy. You're like a man who went searching for treasure, but instead of looking in your own backyard, you decided to dig in the Gentiles' yard. Whatever you think you found, it can't compare with the beauty of what you've left behind. He drew in a mournful breath, then let out a sigh. Come back, Avi. You're one of God's chosen. Come back. Mordecai, I began, without trying to match his gravity. You're right. We're chosen. But what are we chosen for? It seemed like Mordecai's profound sorrow suddenly evaporated into indifference, tinged perhaps with a little bit of annoyance at what I had asked. Who knows why we're chosen, he shrugged. That's Hashim's business. It's enough to know we're chosen, so come back. I leaned a bit closer. Mordecai, I said, grinning like a conspirator. I know why we're chosen. All right, so... The ultimate plan of God in all of this, in creating, you know, the world, and even with the fall of man and the church age, church age and his chosen Jewish um, people, it all has, if you look at the grand scheme, it all has a part, it all has a reason. So, God has a plan, had a plan A, okay? His plan A was this. Israel, the Jewish people, have always been God's chosen people. He selected them to serve a specific purpose and to carry out a particular task. The entire reason for the Jews existing as a people is found in Exodus 19, 3 through 6. And that says, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession. Among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. All right. So what did priests do? Priests instructed people about God and interceded for people to God. God selected this people to bless the world with his revelation of himself. Through the Jewish people, God gave the world scriptures and then the Messiah. They have never held a good track record of this. In fact, their history is weaved in disobedience. If you look throughout the scriptures um, and the Old Testament, you see many, many times where God commanded the, uh, the Jewish people to do this, and they may have done some of it, but they didn't do all of it. Um, when he would tell them, okay, go into this area and wipe out all the people. They're an ungodly people. They're pagan people. Wipe, out, wipe all of them out and take that land. They would go in and they would maybe wipe out all of them, but maybe one or two, right? So they weren't always completely obedient, and they didn't always obey the word of God. And then you also see them many times, you know, they would disobey, and then they would return to God, and they would cry out for mercy, and he would have mercy on them every time. But you see, it's like a cycle that they would be disobedient. All right. So instead of causing the surrounding nations to desire and bless the Lord, their behaviors gave others the excuse to mock and blaspheme. They were not consistent. So these other nations around them began blaspheming and mocking God. And over and over, God pleaded with Israel to keep his ways. But being just, he finally expelled them from the land and drove them into captivity in Babylon, right? However, 
Even the expulsions were a witness to the world. And you see this many times, even all the way up to the time of the Holocaust. There were many times that, you know, they were, they were cast out of their land. Then they were, you know, sent to Spain. They found um, security and safety in Spain. And then, you know, Spain would expel them. You know, even the nations that brought them safety and security would end up expelling them. So they were constantly, in, all the way up to the time of the Holocaust, right? That was a horrible time for the Jewish people. Um, where they were basically prisoners, and they were slaves, and they were lorded over, and they were exterminated. Um, so they've, they've constantly kind of had a, a cycle of this. But God uses even those times when they were exp- expelled from nations as a witness to the world, because he always came back and was faithful to them, right? Just as the expulsions were a witness to the world, so were the restoration the, the restoration's evidence of God's faithfulness to the Jewish people. He has always been faithful to the Jewish people, and he will always continue to be faithful to the Jewish people. So that is what the whole plan A of what God had planned for the Jewish people. They were be, to be witnesses of him. They were to show the surrounding nations you know, who God was. They were to reveal God to the, the nations of the world and, and bring salvation to the nations. That was his ultimate plan. They were to be priests, and they were to intercede for the rest of the world, but they, due to their disobedience, this plan A did not get carried out. So God, in his infinite wisdom, had plan B, and that's what we're going to be talking about in the next section. So- Thank you for listening to this teaching by Jeanette De Silva of New Destiny Christian Center. Please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.